Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Music. I am Tosh Berman, and you are Kimley Marezzo. And each episode, we are going to focus on a specific book or books on music. It could be books written by a musician, or it could be a biography on a musician, or on a band or a group, or a music movement of some sort. And we will cover all spectrums of music as much as possible. Absolutely. From rock and roll to classical to country and western. I, I'm joking about country and western. We're not going to do that. <laughs> uh, I might have to uh, fight you on that one. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Well, actually, country and western has sort of all the good tales, right? Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, so, but for this episode, we're going to focus on one specific artist who has two books. But as we both know, he has many, there are many, many, many books on this particular artist. Indeed. But these are the two most recent ones that I know of. One book is published by 33 and a Third Series. It's called Transformer, a very well-known Lou Reed album by Ezra Furman. And the other book is My Week Beats Your Year, Encounters with Lou Reed, compiled by Michael Heap and edited by Pat Thomas. Published by, published by A Hat and Beard Press Books. Yes, Los Angeles. Uh, Los, publisher. Los Angeles Publisher. 33 and the Third is published in another part of the world. Yes, they're based in London, right? Or England somewhere. I don't think so. I think they're based in New York. Are they? But, but I think the company that owns them, they're English. Mm -hmm. But this one, the uh, My Week Beats Your Year, is a Los Angeles press. So one book deals with it's a collected book of interviews with Lou Reed through the press through, since the 1970s and on till almost the point I, of the I think, yeah, I think it goes on very close to it. And 33 and the Third always focus on one album by one artist, and it's like a book-length essay or work of nonfiction or just sort of random thoughts about that book. Sometimes they have the approval of the artist when they write it, but um, most cases it's the writer writing about their favorite album. Yes. And it's an interesting series. Um, I don't like every title they put out, but some of the times I really do like. And speaking for myself, I do like Transformer by Ezra Furman. Yeah, I liked it a lot. This was one of my favorite 33 and a thirds. And I suspect you and I liked it for the same reason, because it's a very personal take on the album. Mm -hmm. I loved right in the beginning that he um, says right up front, this isn't the best album in the world. It's not even the best album of the year it came out. But a, I love it. It's not his favorite Reed album, is it? Uh, I think, I, you know, I can't recall if he mentioned. But um, I just thought, you know, to me, like my definition of love is when you know the worst qualities of somebody and you mm. still want them in your life. That's and that's exactly what his feeling was about this album. Well, you know? that is the definition of Lou Reed. <laughs> Definitely. A man not much love, but greatly admired. Yes. yes. Um, I, I mean, I don't know Lou Reed, but I'm just presuming yeah. with the stories I've heard about Lou Reed, especially you know, reading my 
wheat beets are year, <laughs> which doesn't exactly show Lou in the most positive light no. on a consistent basis. But um, let's talk about Transformer first. Okay. Because it's a smaller book. Yeah. In size and pages. Mm-hmm. And Ezra Furman, who I don't know at all, but apparently he's a musician. Yeah. And a songwriter. Singer-songwriter. And you you, you heard his music. Or I, yeah, I checked out a couple of his albums. I actually, I, I think he's pretty good. Um, you know, I only listened very quickly to, I think, two of his albums. And I believe he was in a band at first for a while, and then he went solo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as he mentions in the book, he... He did some covers at South by Southwest, uh, like a Lou Reed tribute. Oh, and he actually met Lou Reed. Yes, and he met Lou Reed, and of course embarrassed himself, which I think is pretty much what anybody who would meet Lou Reed would do. Because I think Lou Reed sort of sets that up. Yeah, I think everybody (laughs) knows his reputation, so you're just nerve-wracked right from the beginning. And you know it's going to end up bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Something totally embarrassing. Yes, yes. And horrifying. I know. Well, I'll have to... Uh-huh. Well, I can quickly tell my story of yes. nearly running into the Reed. I was uh, living in New York, going to the Whole Foods at Columbus Circle, and it had a big escalator going down to get into the store, which was in the basement, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was coming right off the escalator, and I nearly walked right into him. Ooh. And the thing that struck me the most was that he was probably about the same size as me, and I'm 5'4". Oh. And it's funny because I've seen him live so many times, and I've even been very close to the stage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's this, such, this overpowering figure musically mm-hmm. that it's like, I, I, it was a real shock to see how small he was, mm-hmm. you know. And um, this was probably, I don't know, 2006, 2007. So he was, you know, getting, he was in age, you know, up in years then. Mm-hmm. But he still looked really good. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't say anything to him, of course. And then I was just meandering around the store and I... I get kind of going to where you're coming out at the checkout, and I see him sitting at this little tiny table Mm. all by himself, Mm. and I don't know what product he was promoting at the time, I don't recall, and he's sitting there with like a little stack of, I think, books or something at the table, and there was nobody there. Oh, is there a sign? Yeah, yeah, it was some kind of promotional thing, but I don't think I had gotten any press, because I didn't know about it. It was just happenstance that I happened to be there when it was going on. So but it was, Lou Reed had a little table at Whole Foods. Yes. Signing a book. Like in the back of the store. It was just so sad. <laughs> no sadder is the person who arranged that. Exactly. They should <laughs> have their head chopped off. I'm sure something happened like that. I'm oh, sure the head is chopped I know. Off. Because, I mean, Lou Reed in New York, I mean... I know. How could that possibly How could he happen? not have people there? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's really strange. So I know. <laughs> that's almost a sad story, but it's so bizarre. Yeah. Oh, it, it kind right of it kind of fits though, you know. His his whole life is sort of this up and down, up and down, yeah. sad and exciting and <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> what do you think of the album Transformer? Oh well, that was my first exposure to Lee Reed. Like I think a lot of people walk on the wild side, mm-hmm. but um, I was like eight or nine when that song came out. So of course I had absolutely no idea what it was about. Mm-hmm. But it's so catchy. Yes, it it's is infectious. Catchy. I don't know how anybody couldn't love that. So you didn't, you never heard the Velvet Underground before. No, so in fact, Tra- Transformer is your introduction. Yeah, Transformer was my introduction, and I didn't hear the Velvet Underground for a long time. I didn't even know about them mm-hmm. until I started. And you know, when I was a teenager, I started reading music magazines, and then I um, 
would read about them all the time, mm. but the albums were out of print. I mean, like getting yeah. that first album was like a holy grail album for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And then I finally found a bootleg copy from Germany. Mm-hmm. I remember, I don't know, like at Rhino Records or something. And uh, so, yeah, and it's funny because I've since purchased better pressings of it, mm-hmm. but I still have that copy because oh, really? it was kind of like my holy grail album. Oh, yeah. You know, it was like nice. finally tracked that down. Mm-hmm. So It's interesting Transformer was your first Lou album because in a funny way, that album sort of talks about the Velvet, Velvet Underground. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a new artist. Right. I mean, it was like his second solo album, officially. That, right. And he had like three Velvet Underground albums beforehand that didn't sell at the time. So, Transform was like his first really breakthrough commercial album. Yeah. Yet, it also relies on his history in, in, the, in the Velvet Underground or in the world of Andy Warhol. Yeah. In the factory world. Yeah. So it's not. So that I always found that interesting. That it's not. It's it's though it's a, it, at the time a new Lou Reed album, but it definitely goes back in the past a lot. So anybody who buys that album, who's like a Lou fan, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things they can you know that they know the references already. Mm-hmm. But you buying the Lou album, I mean, did you know the history of Velvet Underground at that time? Oh, or? not at all. I mean, I was eight or nine. Yeah, I didn't know anything. In fact, I think you're one of the. You might be the only person I know who actually heard the Velvet Underground albums when they came out. Mm. I mean, almost everybody I know discovered them much later. You know? Well, there was a rule in my generation that you get you buy the Velvet Underground album, you play it once, you destroy it. <laughs> and then you wait for the next album to come out and you play it and you destroy it. And it sort of keeps the legend alive. You know? right. it, it keeps it sort of word. Exactly. You know, but you had an interesting, I mean, your father brought it home, correct? Is that how you got he bought it? My dad brought in the first Underground album, yeah. And we should mention that Tasha's father, as well as Furman, the amazing artist. He is. Yeah. And I wrote a book called Tosh. Yes. <laughs> which is about Wallace Furman. <laughs> but it never, nevertheless. Uh, but people like Ezra Furman, who wrote Transformer, mm-hmm. I'm going to presume, I don't know how old. I think he's in his late 20s, maybe. He's young, young. So, I mean, he definitely came to it, you know, well after he right. was out and about. But Lou Reed, I think, he, he's a queer musician, mm-hmm. Furman. And it's interesting that he looks through Lou Reed in a sort of a queer landscape or, or his point of view, uh, looking at Lou Reed yeah. in, a sort of, in a queer yeah. world or land, you know, world of sorts. Oh, yeah. I think that's a big part of why the album was so important to him. And Transformer... Is is very much of a gay or queer look of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, even then when it came out, I remember, for me being mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. yeah, I was a teenager when Transformer came out. Mm-hmm. It always struck me as a um, wow. This is like you know from the homosexual world or right. from the underground right. the world. This 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 messages that he's giving in these songs. Yeah. And, you know, of course, Bowie, of course, produced it with Mick Ronson. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, Bowie had that sort of queer identity as well. Mm-hmm. Though, you know, um, but Lou Reed always seems to be the real deal, the real pack. Yeah, he definitely wasn't faking it. You know, it was, seems like it was more performance for a lot of other people. So I think what makes Transformer, I mean, there's been many, many biographies on Lou Reed and books on Lou Reed and books by Lou Reed. But, mm-hmm. um, Transformer might be the only book look through Lou Reed's work in a, with a queer's perspective, I think. I could be wrong. I mean, do you, mm. is, there, is there another like gay, lesbian, 
and, approach to Lou Reed's music. I can't think of anybody else. I mean, I can't think of another book that focuses him on 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 that world, that specific world. Mm, I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't think there is. Yeah. But so that makes, to me at least, Transformer a really unique book mm-hmm. just because the way Ezra Furman looks at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I bought the book not because of Ezra Furman, though one could because he is a known musician mm-hmm. and people are just curious what you know what he would write. Yeah. But. Um, I got the book because it's Transformer. Yeah. And in the, and I think for a lot of people, people have like, you know, Lou Reed has a you know, long career. And I think Transformer has always been not controversial, but definitely people always feel like, oh, Berlin's a better, you know, solo album than Transformer or some of the stuff he did in the, in the late seventies, early eighties, maybe better than Transformer. But mm-hmm. I always felt Transformer. Sort of one of his key works. Yeah, definitely for me, it's one of my favorites. Um, I think there's just so many songs on there that I can't. I'm always humming them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like always, even mm-hmm. though I may not listen to the album. Like I hadn't listened to the full album in quite a while. And one of the fun things about the 33 and a third series is that you're suddenly inspired to put the album right. on, you know. And so I listened to the full album a couple of times in the last. And he week. does, and like most of the series, they do break it by song by song, you know, like yeah. side one, side yeah. two. They're pretty yeah. much consistent in that sense. Yeah. And as all the others, he focuses on each song one by one as well. Yeah. And um, it's and it's interesting he, he we met, I think we mentioned that he met Lou Reed mm-hmm. at a was it a tribute was, was it a tribute yeah, to Lou Reed yeah I think it was a Southwest South by Southwest right. uh, tribute and I think the deal was to be artists doing their Lou Reed they song, were covering song, covering yeah. songs and then Lou Reed himself and how Reed. intimidating must that be to be performing a Lou Reed song with Lou Reed standing on the side watching you do you think he smiles when he watches you I can't even imagine <laughs> I, I don't think I, I would ever have the courage to have done that so you know kudos to Ezra that's for sure yes so he, <laughs> so he finally meets what happened he met him Actually, they had a nice sort of transaction. Well, I, I, I remember you said Lou asked him, you don't do drugs, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I think he asked him, you don't do heroin. Did he say heroin specifically? Yeah. 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 And, he, and he said, I think uh, Ezra said no. Yeah. Said, I think Lou's good man. Man. Yeah, yeah, good man. <laughs> <laughs> and he, Ezra couldn't figure out if he was just joking or if he was serious. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, it's interesting. Well... Mm-hmm. I read recently, or in, I can't remember if it was this book. I I also just started reading that to Curtis uh, bio. Oh, so I might book, start. Actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm about mm-hmm. a third way done. It's quite good. But uh, I read that Lou stopped performing heroin for a while because people kept coming up to him saying, oh, man, you know, I listened to heroin, and then I went and did it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talk about influence. Influence. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, Lou Reed. I think both books point out um, the book of you know the book of collected interviews as well as Ezra Furman's book. Lou is like a, a, a as a writer who observes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're not really clear if he's talking about himself a lot right. or it's a character he makes up. Right. And sort of like Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think writes in a particular character. Yeah. Like I, it's not like when Bob Dylan says "I love you" or Lou Reed says "I love you." You're not really sure if it's actually Lou Reed, right, or Bob Dylan themselves. It's like, or it could be right. like a made-up character right. saying that. And um, and part of the but interesting about Transformer is this sort of the role playing that Lou Reed does 
Yeah. You know, the sort of the gay identity or this other identity. Mm-hmm. And and then drops names of sorts like Andy, you know, Andy's chest. Right. So there's always going back to his history or reference. But again, it's sort of like not, it's like, it's like his famous brand. It's not really a private, private moment. It's more yeah. of a um, uh, issue of him acknowledging his past and sort of bringing it to the present. Yeah, yeah. It's always self-referential, but at the same time, it's it's removed. Right. You know, and it's funny because there was that good quote that he kept saying in a lot of the interviews in the book. He kept saying, you know, I play Lou Reed better than anybody else. You yes. Know, so it's like very, he's very conscious yes. of, you know, putting on this character of Lee right. Reed. And I also thought it was super interesting that he constantly refused to answer personal questions. Well, it's interesting. Every question is personal. So exactly. How can it not be personal? Yes. So he, yeah. he was a master of making every innocent question into yes. a personal question. Yes, yes, yes. Which comes to my week beats your year. Yes. Encounters with Lou Reed. And this book is basically a collection, not basically, it is a collection of interviews throughout the years through indie rock presses and like mainstream um, publications as well, like Rolling Stone, I think New Musical Express, Cream Magazine. Yeah, it's a pretty diverse. A very diverse. Yeah, collection. And I remember, you know, this is like sort of my generation. I grew up reading Lou yeah, Reed interviews. Yeah. And whenever Lou Reed is interviewed in a magazine, it's always entertainment. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Because you know the poor reporters just can get like shot to pieces. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and only a few, like people like Lester Bangs, a famous uh-huh. uh, rock and roll critic, uh, can or did encounter Lou Reed on his own ground in yeah. a sense. But, um, but there's also some painful reading here, like some innocent young <laughs> yeah. cub reporter yeah. approaching Lou Reed. Yeah, and like totally especially, and, and, you know, they really admired him. And Somebody from the Guardian newspaper in England uh-huh. did the interview where he literally just yeah, shot him pieces. Yeah, yeah, Cut him up and then yeah. diced him and fried yeah. him. And then <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was interesting to read the interviews because you could really see that, you know, he just did not suffer fools lightly. And he, I think the interview... It, you know, the smarter the interviewer was, the more engaged Reed would be, you know, and um, so you could really tell how much he respected or disrespected the interviewer. But it's true, as you did have a little you know, you kind of your heart broke for the, the young cub reporters, as you call them. <laughs> well, it's, in, you know, it's interesting reading. I mean, there's one thing reading one interview in a magazine among all the other articles in a magazine and then yeah. reading a collection. Yeah. So you're getting Lou Reed badass like 20 times non-stop over. <laughs> yeah non-stop yeah badass. yeah and, yeah. I, and it, is there actually one interview in this book that's actually kind of not i can't remember is there like a nice well i thought it was interesting when he was talking about his tai chi and stuff yes he was very engaged and that's what that, and that yeah. was like a specialist that was a tai that's chi spe- magazine yeah, it wasn't a music magazine right. so i thought that was pretty interesting mm-hmm. definitely huh. but um uh, one of the things that i really thought was kind of interesting again going back to the fact that he always didn't want to talk about his personal life Mm -hmm. and as i said i started reading the de curtis uh, bio and it uh, talks about you know his relationship with delmore schwartz Mm -hmm. and how he loved his classes and delmore schwartz was a hugely popular professor at syracuse university and uh schwartz pardon me a teacher idol yeah but the interesting thing i i found was that Schwartz was a big proponent of the you can't separate an artist from their work Mm -hmm. 
And so in his classes, he would teach all of the personal information and the juicy gossip about mm -hmm. the writer behind the work. And that was part of why he was so popular. And so I think it's kind of ironic that Lou really just dug all of that. But then when it came to his own work, he didn't want anybody well, to dig into his own personal life. Yeah, but I think he, I think, I think actually he wanted people to dig into his life. Yeah, maybe. He, maybe. It's like a thing he was he, being coy. Well, not only coy. I mean, he was kind of mean. Yeah. Because the way he approaches writing, he did write about his life. But you know, I think he exaggerated certain things. You know, right. certain you know incidents or feelings or the heroine. You know. Yeah. And. Um, so, of course, that would invite somebody to ask a question about... Absolutely. Well, therefore, you have taken heroin or you yeah. are you know, a drug user or, yeah. you know. So, you know, most writers do come up and say, yes, I am a drug user or I do take drugs. Like, I'm thinking like Peter Doherty of the Libertines, uh -huh. you know, the, you know, the British uh -huh. songwriter, who definitely talks about his private life and sort of exploits his life yeah. as, as, a, you know, as an art, for, you know, like art for art's sake person. Right. And Lou Reed does the same in a sense, yet he only puts a distance really between him and his material only in, like, in, the, in, the, in the interview mm -hmm. uh, medium. Right. And the interview medium, I think, is like his own performance. Mm -hmm. I mean, why does he do interviews? Yeah. I mean, he has to sell the product, right? Or yeah. he has to sell the tour, of course. Yeah. But, you know, he, he doesn't have to go through that. He, I mean, he could easily, you know, have restrictions that you can only talk about my record. You know, like, you know, the, 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 the publicist will say, Lou, will only talk about my new album, right. his new album, or Tai Chi, whatever. Right. So, so already... You know, then and then the, the reporter either do it or they don't do it. Yeah. And then you know, it, but but here he seems to encourage them to actually ask personal questions, mm -hmm. and you know, therefore they get their next bit in. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I mean, in one way, it's kind of a cruel thing, but. I think Lou is this sort of like this bipolar type of character. I don't think he's... Oh, like, I think he was definitely conflicted. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's that I, part I of him that craved it. And then, you know... I know people who know him, mm. personally, and they all think he's really, like, a really nice person. Yeah. That's their take on him. Yeah. And oddly enough, I, I don't want to mention names, but it was one person who's a friend of his and worked with him. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, there's a project where they had to get back together, not their tour. Uh-huh. But like a book project, uh -huh. and so you know, they, so he worked with Maureen Tucker, um, Lou, Sterling Morrison. And, and I can't remember if Sterling was alive or not. Oh, okay. But it seems like the problem of that group was John Cale. John Cale did not want to well, work. That's not with a Lou. big surprise. Didn't want to work with Lou. Yeah. But I think most people think Lou Reed will say, "I don't want to work with John Cale." Ah. Uh. So according to my, my friend, he says that John Cale was very, you know, was didn't want to do it or was very standoffish. Uh, but Lou said, like, you know, I have nothing against John. I'd be happy to have John mm, participate. Mm. So I don't know whether it's true or not. Well, my understanding is that Lou was the one that kicked John out of the government. Right. So maybe there's a little hard feelings on uh, John's part, well, Cale's part. Maybe, <laughs> but then but they did get back together at yeah. some point. So you know, but, but then it's a love hate thing. Ironically enough, Lou got kicked out of the underground. That I know exactly. <laughs> How do you get kicked out of your own band? That's and Doug, sad. And Doug Yule, who sort of replaced John Cale, yeah. and has sort of a sweet singing voice, yeah. and sang some of the Lou songs yeah. on Loaded. Um, 
Yeah, it's interesting because Dalton Lou lost credit to the songs. He wrote all those songs in the album, unloaded. Yeah. It's credit to the Velvet Underground. Yeah. And Lou got kicked out of the band, sort of, of sorts. Or pushed out. Well, did out. he get kicked out or did he quit? I think he just got fed up. I think he quit, but. It's probably one of those passive aggressive yeah, things. Yeah. Definitely, I feel like, you know. It, yeah. And, and it's interesting. Um, I think it was David Bowie who went to New York to see the Velvet Underground. Uh huh. And he went up to Lou and said, God, I'm a big fan of yours. I uh, love your music. Uh, and it wasn't Lou, it was Doug Yule. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that story. That's hysterical. <laughs> so he thought, so it was like after Lou left. He, uh-huh. didn't, he didn't hear that Lou yeah, left. But, yeah. but there's still the Belgian Underground. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And they made an album that nobody seemed to hear. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, this this collection of interviews is really interesting. It's it's a really easy read. I mean, it's a real page turner. Yeah. But it also, you know, I feel like I had to pause at times just because of Lou's viciousness against. Well, it's that drone, you know. It's just <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the musical version of. <laughs> but it's a, but the way it's sort of set up and it's sort of like you know I, I kind of wish and, and then another thought that came on mind. I have never read uh, interviews Lou Reed when he was in the Velvet Underground. Ah, that's interesting. I have no. Rec- I mean, I I'm gonna presume somewhere there must be an interview with Lou and the Velvets, but I yeah. I never read an interview with him. As um, when he was in the Velvet Underground. Right. Well, you were pretty young when. Yeah, but you know, I was reading. I was reading music stuff. Yeah, yeah, so like. You didn't ever see them because I didn't realize they had spent quite a lot of time in Los Angeles. My dad saw them here. Did he? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, they played on the Sunset Strip. Yeah, clubs and here. I didn't know they had recorded some of their albums here, I which they, seems so like strange because I just always connect them so much. I with think New they York. did. I think they did a little recording in New York, and then they're on the first album, the Banana Peel album. Mm-hmm. I think they did recording yeah. in Los Angeles. I could be wrong though. Yeah, I, I don't remember, but they did. I think they did one or two albums here. They did a, a fair amount, and they spent a lot of time playing here live. Yeah, and it's interesting, a guy named Tom Wilson, I think, who produced the first album, made mm-hmm. the second album as well. Mm-hmm. He also produced early Bob Dylan albums. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, all the classics, sort of like... Um, um, the early folky ones? Highway 61. And, oh, uh, he did the electric. He did, he did the folky ones, and he did everything up for me, bring up, with the Bring It Back Home. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Interesting guy, Tom Wilson. Yeah. And I think he also may produce the Mothers invention. Oh, okay. Like the first album. Right. He got all the weirdo acts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. But, <laughs> but, um, but my week beats your year, the, the, uh, the, the collection of interviews with Lou. It, it's, it, it's interesting. You know, it's a, great, it's a great collection, but it doesn't tell the whole story of Lou. It's sort of like if you're into a Lou Reed fan, yeah. you must have a book, right? I mean, it's right. obvious. It, yeah. It's not really an introduction to Lou's work. It's more of... Um, um, these series of encounters that he had with his critics or yeah. his, you know, with the press. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely a must read for the Lou fan, but it's certainly not a good introduction to Lou. Mm. You definitely need to be already be a fan mm-hmm. to appreciate it. Um, and you're right. It does. It's kind of you know. It's it's always the same. I mean, he was consistent from you know. Mm-hmm. These start in the early '70s, I think, right? The, mm-hmm. the interviews and they go up to I don't know. I think like 2010. Yeah. Like, I think there was one, a Pitchfork one, which is an online magazine. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, he's very, his personality was very consistent, you know, and um, all the things that he was saying, um, I, it always made me laugh every time he would bring up Andy Warhol, mm-hmm. you know, because they had such a 
They also had that love-hate relationship, but he never spoke badly of him in the no, interviews. He never. always praised him. and Praised him greatly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting, because my understanding, anyway, was that their relationship was somewhat kind of contentious. Rocky. Yeah. No, no, he never exposed that side yeah. of, uh, yeah. of that relationship to the press. Yeah. No, he, would, he seemed like he goes out of his way to mention Warhol and to praise him. Yeah. Um, and consistently, from the whole, from the beginning of these interviews to the end, he's always mentioning the same people: um, William Burroughs, Delmore right. Schwartz, Hubert Selby. So uh, it's interesting how his influence was. You'd think, you know, at some point he'd start discovering new things, but he was very uh, loyal to his influences. Yeah, Ornette Coleman. Right, Ornette uh, Coleman. Uh, Ornette Coleman, Don Cherry, yeah. uh, Duop, uh-huh. big Duop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and. Um, um, and Andy Warhol fan. Yeah. And, and, and is there anybody else that he comes... Oh, then the writers, you know, Delmore Schwartz, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and sometimes Bowie is either... Depends on his mood. Some right. Look down Another upon, one of or, his love-hate relationships. Or he, you know, praises him. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's a really interesting book, I thought. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed it. I, I definitely would recommend it so we any have, Lear Reed fan. So we have the 33 and a third publication of Transformer by Ezra Furman. And we have my week beats your year. I want to say year. <laughs> my week beats your year. My week beats your year. Encounters with Lou Reed, compiled by Michael Heap, and edited by Pat Thomas, who's done a lot of interesting pro- book projects about music mm. and, and pop culture of the '60s and '70s. And um, do you want to add anything else about Lou or? Uh. Go put on the records. They're great. Put on the records. (laughs) We will be seeing you in the near future. Thank you. Bye-bye.